we are continuing, actually wrapping up on the series Choose Joy. It's been a great journey, uh, Susan, amazing message, and we had part two A and B, because <laughs> Jason couldn't finish the, the, the sermon, you know, uh, and he did it in two parts, and we were blessed when he was talking to us about prayer and all, and now we are talking about something that will uh, maybe challenge you a little bit, but it's good for you, amen? Now, I need you to preach with me. Behold, that's right, that's right. So we're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to read Hebrews 13, verse 15. Reading from verse 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I'll read it again. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. The title of this sermon is A Sacrifice of Praise. But before we get into it, I want to pray. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you have for us today. With open arms, God, we're here to receive it because we know that, God, you're going to change things in our lives, change things around us as we see you clearer today. We thank you, God Almighty, that this word is here to bring change in our lives, and today we are continuing to choose joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, it is a very popular idea that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. But I want to demonstrate the falsity of that statement by telling you a story that I once heard told. It's a story of two babies that were born with a condition that required immediate medical attention, some kind of surgery. So a nurse on duty was sent to fill a syringe with medication, and she went to the cupboard and filled that syringe with medicine, but it was from the wrong bottle. When she came back to the theater, they administered the medication, and in just a few minutes, the babies died. It was a tragedy. And in the hearing later on that was held, an inquiry that was held later, she was asked, what really happened And she said, I sincerely believed I had the right bottle. But you see, if you are sincerely wrong, your beliefs, your beliefs can do damage to yourself and to others as well which works against the life-changing choice that Susan taught us about, which is Jesus, others, 
and yourself. So what you believe matters. Your beliefs matters. What you believe about God. If you sincerely believe that God does not care about you or what happens to you or how you feel, it will shape your response toward him because belief affects behavior which forms habits and habits form character and character forms destiny. So what you believe matters. And I want to submit to you this morning that your joy matters to Jesus. Are you here, church? Your joy in your life, yes, you, it matters to the God you serve. And the writer of Hebrews in the 12th chapter, verse 2, he says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him was you and I, you and me, in our right minds, restored redeemed to relationship and communion with him and being filled with so much of him that we overflow. That is the picture that kept Jesus enduring the pain, the nails, the, 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 the whips, you know, the 39 lashes and the bones that were broken, pierced on the side. That is what he saw. He saw you sitting in this place where you can praise him and live a life that glorifies him. So your joy matters to him. That is a good place to say amen. amen. Oh yes, because it really does matter. <laughs> See, God wants us to come to this place where we are made whole. Nothing missing, nothing broken. And the scripture that corroborates that is John 10.10. It tells us that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, to overflow. That is the purpose of Jesus. He manifested to destroy the works of Satan and to give us, to fill us with joy, to fill us with who he is and so that we can overflow, so that we can be a testimony out there to the world. When they look at us, they see that something is different, not because of what we have done, but because of what he has done. He's a loving God. You know what? He demonstrates his love and concern for people when he met a a, a certain man on the east side of the Jordan River in Mark 5. The story is Mark 5 verse 1 to 20. Jesus found a man who was cutting himself up. He was demon possessed. He was totally under the power of Satan. And Jesus met him. And this man worshipped. And the demons in him, they begged to go into, a, into a, you know, a bunch of pigs. And there were 2,000 pigs. And Jesus permitted those demons to go into those pigs. And they all perished in the, in the, in the, when they were in the, in the lake. 
he sacrificed those 2,000 pigs to demonstrate that animals, <laughs> that people are more important, your sanity, your joy, your wholeness, it is very important to him. This is the kind of God we've come to. He cares about us. And he wants us to be full of joy. And he's done everything he needed to do in order for us to be at that place where we are filled with joy. That's what we need to believe and accept as a reality that's been given for us to take. Amen. See, I need you to preach with me. Now, I want to say this. It doesn't mean that all days will be rosy, no, issue what's, what, no issues whatsoever. We will have trouble in this world. But Jesus promised, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome Meaning that when you go through stuff, when you face difficult circumstances, he has promised that he will never leave nor forsake us. See, our joy has been fully paid for through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, even the ascension to where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. It's been fully paid for. And today we're inviting you once again to choose joy. Susan started with the life-changing choice. J-O-Y, like I said earlier, Jesus, others, and yourself. You begin with Jesus. He becomes Lord and Savior. And then that changes how you look at people, how you look at others. And that has an impact on you as you live in a life of joy, the joy that he has given for you and me to take. And then Jason, Jason was encouraging us to embrace prayer. And he said, prayer is a means for us to access the joy that Jesus has purchased for us. See, God, he died for it. He died in order that we may have peace, that we may have joy. He spent his life so you and I can have joy available. But we must make the choice. We must Choose joy. He doesn't force it on us. And today I want to invite you to another thing that I believe will bring joy into your life. So we talked about the life-changing choice. Pray first. How many got the wristbands? Anybody got the wristband? Yes. Before you slap, you know, you got to pray first. You know what I mean? And it stops you right there and you go, (laughs) you know, pray first. But today... I want to say praise. When you praise, you are actually accessing joy. Praise. And you know what? I'm going further and telling you, like the writer of of this letter to the Hebrews, a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice. It's a choice. A thing that you choose to do, not forced on you, 
But you make the choice to praise. Now, what is a sacrifice? I have a definition here. A sacrifice is an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something regarded as more important or worthy. That is a sacrifice. Not that you're ditching the thing because it doesn't have value. It does have value, but you give it in order to get something else that is more valuable and more worthy. And this is what we do when we praise in the difficult circumstance. Because you see, the writer to the Hebrews, he's writing to people who are going through difficult times. They are losing property. Their whole economy is crashing down. They are being mocked. Christianity was illegal. The temple, you know, the, the Jewish temple had assigned people like Paul, Saul, you know, Saul, Paul who was called Paul, you know, Paul later. He's, he was assigned to actually deal with these things and he was very zealous to shut down Christianity. And there were many who were doing those things, persecuting Christians for their faith. They want to backslide and they want to give up and just remain in the place where they were before Christianity came. But that is something that God doesn't want them to do. So he encourages them to stay you know, firmly planted, focus on Jesus, fixing their eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith, and to continually offer a sacrifice of praise. He's not diminishing or minimizing their trouble, but he's providing them something that will actually bring about the joy so that they can continue because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? So that is what he's telling them. Now, he's talking about praise. Now, in order for us to get a clear understanding, I wanted to just... Just, just give the difference between praise and worship because we get it mixed up. Eh? There is a difference between praise and worship. In worship, worship is internal. It's an internal expression of how I feel about God. It's love toward God and his love for me. And I enjoy his presence. It could be audible. It could also be silent. I could be in a moment, just having a moment. Things can be happening around me and I just step into just the goodness of God. And I tell him, God, I love you. Oh God, you, if I were you, I wouldn't choose me. If I were you, I wouldn't love me because I've got so many faults and yet you still love me. You are a good God. Oh, how I love to worship you. How I love to bless your name. How I love the fact that even though I'm not perfect, you still love me. See, that's worship. And it's between you and God. And it can happen anywhere. But praise, on the other hand, is a celebration of what he has done. The deeds, the mighty deeds of God. And it is always, it it includes, you know, It's got a a, a horizontal dimension to it because you declare these things in the hearing of other people. Amen? Amen. It's a declaration of his mighty works. 
My God is mighty to save. My God is mighty to deliver. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. He's a deliverer. I was bound in sin. I was in the darkness, but he has saved me and brought me into his marvelous light. What a good God this is. Now, remember those songs, you know, like, what a mighty God we say. You know, those are songs that you're declaring it. What a mighty God. That's what praise is. Now, you see, worship is a response. We respond to God with love. We, we respond to him for what he has done, for who he is. And it is always vertical. But praise is a choice that you, I should make. And we make the choice. And the writer to the Hebrews says, even when it is difficult, when we're going through difficult circumstances and everything doesn't look favorable, we are to make the choice to continually offer a sacrifice of praise. So the first thing that I want to say to you is that praise is outward and not inward. You see, I had a friend who, when, whenever we were singing, because, you know, I'm from Zambia and we dance there. We're close to Congo DR. You know, in Congo, they, <laughs> you know, they, they put on the dance and we get, we copy a lot from that. I mean, because, I mean, we, we're the same people, hey. So we, we dance and, you know, when we're praising God, there's action to it. You know, you, you're saying, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I worship you, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, so there is action involved, you know. But this friend of mine was, you know, like that. And somebody called it the Adam and Eve pose, you know. Just, just like that. Just, you know. And he's comfortable. And he tell me, dude, why don't you dance? If you're happy, tell your body to be happy too. And he'll say, well, you may not see it, but I'm really dancing on the inside. No, 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 no. We can't have that. We can't have that. We can't have that. Praise is outward. And in order for me to demonstrate that, I want to take it to the original meaning. I don't want to flaunt my knowledge of Hebrew, but I know this is in Hebrew dictionaries. But in Hebrew, there is seven different words that, 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 that are used for praise. In English, you just have one word, praise. But the meaning in Hebrew is much richer because that's how the language is. It's rich. For one word, you can have a whole page explaining what it means because it's a pictorial language. Okay? So, are are you interested? Do you you want me to? (laughs) Look, here's the thing. There's a widespread idea that we should only praise God when we feel like. And that if we praise him while not feeling like it, 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 it's, it's hypocrisy. Nothing could be further from the truth. We praise God because he deserves it. Choices lead, feelings follow. The feelings don't lead us. We are leading the feelings. We are going ahead and affirming what we believe about God. And the feelings will follow suit. So now, the meaning of praise This is interesting. The first one is Hallel. Hallel means, it's it's the word where we get the the word Hallelujah from. 
Hallel in Hebrew, it means to rave, boast, celebrate, to praise in a manner that attracts attention. But this is not attention to me. It is attention to what I'm excited about. Because if I draw attention to me in a meeting like this, it would take people's eyes off of God who really matters. And then the spotlight will be on me and I'll disturb the mood. That's why I also want to say to you that we are permitted to be expressive. I'm saying this with permission from our lead pastor. (laughs) Because I asked, you know, where I come from, it's like, it goes without saying, it's a no-brainer, you know. But I know that in a mixed context, in a diverse context like our, our church is unique. Our church is unique. I see people from all kinds of races, ages, and all that. This is a beautiful thing, and I know God loves it. Amen. But in a place like this, my African brothers, you know where we come from, we, we do that. You know? You know, you can, you can do, you know what I mean? So, feel free to do that. The only caution that I have also is to make sure that whatever I do <laughs> does not bring people's focus on me. So I want to be, I want to, to be, you know, cautious of how far I take it. Because sometimes you can get excited in God. <laughs> you can just go like, forget yourself, you know. <laughs> you are permitted to express yourself. It is beautiful. We're doing it not for ourselves. We're doing it to God. Because he deserves our praise. Hallelujah. He's worthy of it. And we can't keep it to ourselves. Psalm 35, 18 says, Then I will give you thanks in a great assembly. I will praise you before a large crowd of people. I will hallel you. The second word is yada, which means to acknowledge God in public. This is public. To acknowledge God in public. Psalm 138, verse 1 says, I will give you thanks with all my heart before the heavenly assembly. I will sing praises. I will yadah. And the other word is Barack, but not Obama. It's Barack. <laughs> to bless by kneeling or bowing. It is all permitted. But it means more than just kneeling down. It means to present yourself to God expecting something you don't currently have. I know I feel awful right now. I know God, I'm a sinful person, but you are my righteousness. You are my joy. I may not feel like it right now, but I know that you are full of mercy. You are full of joy and I bless your name because of who you are. And this, guys, this is not about me. It is about God and who he is, what he has done. And I give it to him because he deserves it. That's Barak. We Barak you. Psalm, Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord, all that I am. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. And the other word is Zamar. (laughs) Making music to God with a stringed instrument. You see, we have stringed instruments here. You see, but in an assembly like this, not everybody can play. So while somebody is Zamaring, others are Yadah. Others are baracking, others are halaling, you know. 
So, so everything is happening, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're all involved bringing glory to God. You see, Psalm 92 verse 1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to Zamar, to the Most High. And then Shabak. <laughs> Yo, I'm loving this. Barak, Zamar, Shabak. Yo, no, you know, it's like a <laughs> can do a rap song right there. Shabak, to address God in a loud tone. It is permitted. It's in the Bible. We can do that. Only with propriety, knowing that we don't need to attract attention to ourselves, but toward God. Amen? Psalm 63, verse 3 to 4. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. What a declaration. Toda, to lift hands in adoration. Huh? Shabak Toda. <laughs> to lift hands in adoration. Psalm 50, 23 says, But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. And then the last one, Tehillah. Tehillah. Which means exuberant singing. Exuberant singing. You know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to. <laughs> Look, you don't have to be a singer for you to sing. When you're directing it to God, of course, it's good to learn to sing, but you can go, Jesus, Jesus, you stand and stand. No, I'm, if it's coming from a pure heart and it's toward God, sing. He deserves your praise. And you can tell heal. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly Speak his praises, which is what we are talking about. We owe him that. We owe him praise, whether things are good, whether things are bad. He deserves it. Because when we praise him, we are making a statement that God, you are in charge. So the second point is this. Praise focuses on God and not me. Somebody told me when I was just... I'm a young man, but I'm, I was much younger then. He told me, don't let what is wrong with you stop you from giving God what he rightfully deserves. Praise belongs to him. Whether I'm hurt, he deserves it. And none of the commands that he gives to us are meant to take away advantage. They are there to give us advantage. Everything God commands is for our good. It's meant to bring us to a place where we see him clearer. So when he tells you and me to praise him in difficult circumstances, he knows what he's doing. He knows something that you don't know because he's a genius. So praise takes you into God's realities, not your reality, because your reality says you should be sad. Reality is telling you, you are sick. God has done this to you. Look, why did he do this to you? But the reality is this, that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. 
And if the God that I serve, who is a genius, who knows all things, can allow this thing to happen in my life, he knows that he will get some glory out of it. And because of that, I owe him praise. It's a choice, a sacrificial choice. Praise is an expression of faith toward God. I may not have it, but I know God has provided it. That's what faith says. It's an expression of trust in his competence to deal with my circumstances no matter what they are. So I make the choice, the choice to give a sacrifice of praise. See, I remember not too long ago, I think we're maybe just a month here in Cape Town, uh, you know, I, I got a lift with Ivan, and uh, I remembered on the way that I needed to buy some, some juice for my babies, you know, because they needed juice. <laughs> so we, we went to Caltics, you know, the filling station just around the corner. And uh, we went, we rushed in there with Ivan, you know, and we bought the juice and got back into the car and we drove off. He was going to drop me off in Royal Ascot. And I just realized I, I didn't have my phone. Hmm. And the phone was lost. I said, oh man, Ivan kept looking at me, looking at my reaction. And I said to God, just under my breath, I said, God, you're a genius. You know where the phone is and I'm gonna trust you. You're the mastermind. You know exactly where it is. I'm going to trust you. I was scared, but I chose to praise him. So I got home. I told my wife. She said, oh, no. Too bad. And I think, Tyler, you might have been there. In the, in the, you know, guys were there. Ishe and all. They all saw, like, man, this is bad. It's lost the phone. My emails are there. All the stuff is there. But, man, I, I need my phone back. So I started praising God just before I slept. A thought came into my mind. Call the phone. I got my wife's phone and I called it. Somebody answered. So where are you? Oh, I'm at the filling station. I picked your phone up. Whatever he did, I didn't want to know. As long as the phone was found, it was stolen. Went back, got the phone, and I still have my phone. <laughs> In that moment, I had a choice. Ivan was, was telling me later on, he was saying, Hey, man, I was looking at your face, man. You know, your dad. <laughs> it's like, I was looking at your face, man. I thought, I thought you were starting to swear, man. So, swear, you know. <laughs> Where you, I thought you were going to start swearing, man. But you see, man, you know. But it's a choice. Are you going to swear? Or are you going to look at God who's able to bring sanity in that circumstance? It's a choice. And the choice worked for me. Another story, this time last year. Writing my thesis, going through some, oh, some serious pressures. Got a phone call. You need to come to the school. Your daughter has broken her arm. We had just finished praying. Was hit. Trying to concentrate. Trying to write this uh, thesis. And the deadline is closing in. And then my, 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 you know, my daughter's arm breaks. Was hurt. Got on an Uber, you know, started driving to this school, and it was really bad. The arm was broken, like, you know, the elbow in three places, and they had to put wires, 
you know, in her elbow. And I had a choice to make. I said, Lord, this is not good. But you're the genius. And I will trust you. You've allowed it in order to demonstrate your power, your grace. Give me peace. I need to write this paper. And I looked at, you know, just when I began to look at that, at at God, I had a realization that God is so good. He provided medical aid. I could take my daughter to a specialist who's going to take care of the arm. God, I thank you for medical aid. I didn't have money for it, but you provided. You're a good God. It could have been the neck, but it's the arm. She could have died. It was a severe accident, and the school was expecting us to sue them, blah, 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 blah. I said, Lord, my daughter is alive. She could have died. She's okay, and I praise you for it. Changed my attitude, changed the atmosphere, and we faced it with much ease, much more ease than the tension that could have come had I concentrated on the thing that had happened. It's a choice, a sacrificial choice. Praise is the beginning of joy, not the, not, not, not the result of it. A quote from Chris Hodges says, the only part of life we can control is our reaction. Can't control the weather, can't control other people, <laughs> but we can control our reaction. And when things get tough, we are to respond with praise. That's what God wants. That's what pleases him. The last point is praise reminds me of the, of the eternal, not the temporal. Because you've got to understand, everything we see, everything that happens is so temporal. What's eternal is what God has achieved for us through Jesus Christ. And when we tap into praise, we actually remind our faculties, our, our whole being, that there is a God who's in charge. Rather than complaining, we make the choice to let him be magnified, bigger than any circumstances that we're facing. It brings us to spiritual realities that affirm God's triumph over our current troubles. Amen. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, <laughs> I say Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Which which one? Which ones? Whichever one's cheaper, Habakkuk. It's got two kids. Habakkuk. <laughs> anyway, all right. Habakkuk three seventeen to nineteen. It says, "Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields crop, uh, the fields produce no food." Though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. There is a man who's making a choice. His whole economy is crumbling down. Things around him are not good, but he chooses to rejoice in the Lord, to give him praise. I want you to stand to your feet. Praise is optimistic. But it's not empty optimism. It's optimism that's based on what God has done in the past 
and who he is as a deliverer. He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who he is. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. And he never stops. He never sleeps on slumbers. He watches me. I am the apple of God's eye. And we are going to respond. Whatever it is that you're going through. If it's not good. He deserves your praise. Give him a sacrifice. And he will accept it. And he will come through. Isaiah 61. 3 talks about a garment of praise. The fact that it's a garment. Of praise. We need to put it on. It means you go. You take it. And wear it. Until God's realities become real. So I want to invite you just to respond in praise. 